Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Have you ever gone through a very emotional period of life where all the bad foods just seem like the perfect way to provide comfort to you? I know I have gone through periods like that, and I'm guessing you have too. And right now, there are a lot of people who are stress eating with everything going on in the world. But even with the normal life emotions, there can be some added stressors, like the stress of trying to follow a diet, or the stress of eating the quote, right foods. And all of this can become completely paralyzing. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And in this episode, I have Danielle Brooks on to teach us how to work through emotions and still make decent health choices. She has operated some amazing programs teaching people these strategies, and today she is going to give us some steps to start controlling our decisions during emotional times. So let's dive into my conversation with Danielle Brooks. Author of Good Decisions Most of the Time, Danielle is a best-selling author, a nutritional therapist, a clinical herbalist, an expert on emotional eating, a professional speaker, and founder of Lake Washington Wellness Center. She teaches others how to overcome emotional eating and step into their personal power. She hopes to elevate global consciousness and evolve how we relate to food and our bodies. Thank you for coming onto the show, Danielle. Hey, thank you, Brian, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. And since you are an herbalist and nutritional therapist, you work with emotional eating, I would love to hear more about your background, what got you into the health and wellness space, and um, what? why are you so passionate about all this? Wow. Well, my journey has it's been an interesting one. I originally went to school for physical therapy and worked in the physical therapy realm for a while. Then I became a massage practitioner, and that's when I started the Wellness Center about 25 years ago. And I just kind of kept wanting to grow and learn and evolve and do more and learn more. And so then I became a nutritional therapist practitioner. And from there, that kind of gave me, um, you know, after being a massage therapist for 10 years, I was ready for something different. So that's what kind of led me to nutritional therapy. And then with nutritional therapy, I found that I was, I still had some things that I couldn't work with and I needed more tools in my tool belt. So then I became a clinical herbalist. And then after I became a clinical herbalist, I felt like I had everything that I needed to help people, right? It was like all, it was like I'd put together these customized eating plans and be like this, ha, 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 here you go. But then all of a sudden they, they couldn't implement the eating plan. They couldn't do it. And so that's how I got into um, emotional eating. And um, ironically, I was having the same issue myself. I was telling people to eat their vegetables during the day. And then at night I would go home and I would binge on bacon cheeseburgers and French fries. And I just was not congruent. So my journey then, I found a counselor who helped me and I discovered that everything that I was working on with my relationship with myself also pertained to my relationship with food. And then I began to study the experts in nutrition um, or in emotional eating. And I kind of took what worked for me and then tossed what didn't. And then I began working with my clients and then my work just became more and more effective. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And next thing I know, here I am, I'm, I'm considered to be an, an expert in emotional eating. <laughs> but I like, to, I like to think I'm more of an expert in intuitive eating. I think that's kind of what I like to call myself. 
That's a very similar background to me. I also started a movement and PT and then dove into nutrition and then continued to open up uh, my knowledge with herbs and all that stuff as well. And then now this is part of why I brought you on is I'm learning more and more about the emotional side of eating. And especially the more people I work with and the more years I keep doing this, the more I realize there's a lot more to the picture than just giving someone, here's a list of what you should do. Now go follow it because a lot of times that doesn't work. So I love that we're on the same path. And you were talking about different experts in emotional eating and um, you are definitely on that list. But what are some other people that uh, you followed to kind of guide you into this practice? Oh, Janine Roth is a big one. Um, I love uh, love her stuff and what she's doing. Um, and then I've also tapped into, even though they're not experts in the emotional eating themselves, anything that has to do with consciousness or awareness. So Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, I've uh, taken some um, ideas from um, uh, Tony Robbins. Um, yeah, those are the those are the main ones. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. list of people. So tell us a little bit more about emotional eating. Yeah. What what exactly is it? So anytime that we eat when the physical body isn't hungry or we continue eating after we've hit that satiation point, we're eating intuitively. So there's a distinct difference between feeding the physical body. You know, we know that the physical body gets hungry, the stomach kind of growls, we might even feel a little queasy, we get the signal that says, hey, I'm hungry, you need to eat something. So that's feeding the physical body. And so anytime that you ask the question, okay, is my physical body hungry? And the answer is no, yet you feel compelled to eat anyway, then that's considering feeding your emotions. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, a lot of this can stem from, uh, you know, childhood and whatnot as well. So are you looking at an overall picture of where they came from to get to this point? Or do you look at how can we make changes right now? I typically tend to look at how do we make changes right now, but it is helpful to know that, you know, as children, we are trained at an early way, um, at an early age away from our own inner guidance, right? You know, we say, mom, I'm not hungry. And then mom says, well, I don't care if you're hungry or not, you're going to eat your dinner, right? And so we're trained not to listen to our physical body, but to listen to our parents, you know, and our, and we'll, we'll be eating dinner and we'll say, mom, I'm full. I don't want any more. And, and, you know, mom or dad will say, you know, well, I don't care. You're going to finish your dinner. Right. And so we are taught away from our own inner guidance at an early age. And I think once people realize that they can get this aha of, oh, I don't have to eat because it's convenient and customary, right? Just because it's breakfast time, lunch time, or dinner time doesn't mean that you have to eat. If you return to your own inner guidance and start listening to your body, your body will tell you when it's hungry. And then that's kind of what can set people free. You know, I think that's why so many people love intermittent fasting right now, because for decades, they've been grilled that you have to eat breakfast, have to eat breakfast. And a lot of people are like, I'm not really hungry at breakfast, but society says I have to. But now with IF, they can be like, oh, I'm not going to eat till lunch. And yeah. Then I can eat lunch and dinner. So I, I can see how that's all kind of working together now. Yes. And it returns people back to their hunger signal. They're like, oh, now I'm hungry. You know, I've had so many people that they're like, I didn't eat hardly anything all day. And I wasn't hungry. And it's, that's the body's just trying to catch up, right? We eat so much so often so frequently that when we do that intermittent fasting, it gives the body a chance to catch up. It's really cool. So 
people get absolutely paralyzed when it comes to all these food decisions. Like, a new movie will come out and everyone will change to what that movie says that they should change to, right? Uh, we're seeing that right now with Game Changers. Everyone's going plant-based for a little while. But then new studies come out or new uh, information comes out and people keep going back and forth and it just becomes paralyzing. And then people get to that place where they go, I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to start. So if we can take out all the different dietary dogmas out there, all the different um, uh, parallel um, sides of nutrition, how can we start eating healthier and more consciously Depending, it doesn't even matter what type of dietary uh, paradigm that you're following. Um, well, I think the big thing is to stop judging food. You know, we we judge food so much. This is good. This is bad. This is healthy. This is not healthy. This is healthy for one person, but not healthy for another, right? And like you said, when we judge food, that's when we get caught up in the, uh, is it the paleo diet? Is it the South Beach diet? Is it the, the Atkins diet, right? And, and that can totally make someone's head just like blow up. <sighs> what do I do, right? Well, if we stop judging food and we start paying attention to our own body and how our body responds to certain foods, you know, before you eat a food, during, while you're eating that food, and then how you feel after that food, and you listen, you'll be able to determine what food is right for you and your body and what foods are best to be avoided. And we all know how we feel after we eat certain foods. And so when we begin to listen, then we can kind of start following our own intuition. And we can kind of create what's our own individual and unique diet that's right for us. Perfect. That's a great lead way into my next question, which is, if someone's brand new, they come to you and they're like, help me find my intuition. What are the steps that you can take to help guide them through? Okay, well, there's there's one of the one of my favorite strategies is called the hunger check. And um, basically, it's asking the question before they eat any food. So don't judge the food, right? If your body's calling for French fries, go out and have some French fries, right? But eat them consciously. Eat them with an awareness of how your body is responding to that food. So doing the hunger check, number one, asking the question, am I hungry? And if the question is yes, then eat it very consciously. Look at the French fry, appreciate where that French fry came from and everything that it had to go through to get to your plate. And then enjoy the French fry, savor the French fry, and then listen to your body and how it responds. And at some point, you'll get the feedback. It'll be like, mm, that was good. And it'll taste really good. And then at some point, it won't taste as good as it was when you first started. And your body will send you the signal that, wow, that was really great but now I'm done. And you might only get through two or three French fries and your body will be like, yeah, that was great. So when we eat intuitively, we, we don't eat as much and we're not drawn towards the foods um, that, uh, that, that, uh, that our body doesn't want. Yeah. So the hunger like checkers. That. Yeah. And, and another great thing um, that, that people can do too, when they eat intuitively is when they ask the question, am I hungry? And the answer is no, yet they feel compelled to eat anyway, they can stop and ask the question, well, huh, okay, my physical body's not hungry. What am I really hungry for? What am I hungry for in life? Do, am I eating out of boredom? Do I want more excitement? You know, what is it that you really want? 
So it's a really cool way to discover more about yourself and what you really want. And then after the hunger check, what's the next step? The next step is, um, well, enjoying food, definitely. So after you do the hunger check, um, there's a hunger scale, um, and that goes from zero to 10. And zero is I'm famished. I'm starving. You know, I've, I've waited so long to eat. My blood sugar levels drop so low. I have no mental clarity. Give me food now, and I'm going to rip somebody's head off, right? And then there's 10 on the other end of the scale where they're, they're, they've eaten so much they're painfully full. So as they're eating or as they do the hunger check, they're identifying where on this hunger scale am I? Am I hungry? Am I content? Am I satisfied? Or am I slightly full, moderately full, or or really full, right? Because if someone can play around with this hunger scale, and let's say that they normally eat to the point of a discomfort, they're uncomfortably full. And let's say that they're at an eight, and they can shift that and they can eat to slightly full, which is maybe like a six or a seven, then then some um, health and well being can and weight can be lost over a long period of time, simply by adjusting how we eat and how far we eat on that hunger scale. So that's the second thing. So am I hungry doing the hunger check? And if the question is, yes, I'm hungry, eat. And as you eat, when you get to that middle point, right around the five, you know, five is where, um, is where the contentment you've eaten a little bit food tastes really good. You're a little hungry for more. That's right around a four. When you hit to a five, there's this contentment that is just so beautiful. And if you can stay in this range between like a three and a five or a six, this is where the eating experience can be most enjoyable. Oh, food tastes so good. It's nummy. It just loses its taste after a certain point. It's just like, well, why even do it? It's just, it loses its taste. Yeah, and that comes uh, with a really good question of um, if you're looking at your plate, a lot of us grew up with, you know, finish your plate, finish all the food that's sitting in front of you and don't be wasteful. So if you reach a six and you're like halfway through, um, do you just bring that home as leftovers uh, or what do you do with that? Yeah, there's there's several different things that you can do. You can uh, have a Tupperware container right next to you if you're at home where you can just immediately put it into the Tupperware c- container and put it away and have it for uh, lunch the next day. You can do that. Um, you can throw it away. A lot of people are like, no, no, I'm not going to waste food. Well, you throw it away a couple of times. You learn to begin to decrease the portions and you begin to identify how much you use and then you don't use as much. Um, oftentimes, you know, I had this experience I was eating intuitively at a Japanese restaurant and I ordered sushi and my body was just so content and I still had two pieces of sushi left on my plate. And I thought, well, I don't want to waste it. So I'm going to get a to-go box. And I got the to-go box and it was a styrofoam container that had two pieces of sushi that was wrapped up in plastic. When they handed it to me, I was like, no, this is more wasteful than if I had just dumped the organic material into the garbage can. And so I think being aware of your experience um, and your own own inner guidance will take you where you need to be yeah yeah that's actually a really good point about waste yep mm-hmm. sometimes the food is less wasteful than it the is. alternative it's organic it'll break down you know the plastic the styrofoam all that other stuff it won't yeah and then is there a third uh beginning step that you like to touch on um, well, let's see. So you're, you're, you're checking in with your hunger, you're eating to that certain point. The third thing is really enjoying the eating experience. So many people have come to 
think that food is something that gets in the way of who they want to become, right? We want to lose weight. We want to, you know, um, have more energy, more vitality. We want to do all of these things. And we look at food as something that gets in that from this perspective that food is something that gets in the way of that. But nothing could be further from the truth because it's food when we we learn to enjoy being human beings who eat and we enjoy the eating experience and we begin to listen to our body and, and, and eating intuitively, we can let go of that and we can become the individual that we want to be, which is underneath of it all, an individual who is at peace with food in our bodies. And um, yeah, so enjoying food, leaving out the judgment, leaving out the guilt and the shame, that's definitely a huge piece. So a lot of people when they go on and when they're in like different social situations, they feel more pressured to um, go off of whatever plan they're trying to follow and be with the group. So um, a lot of times this might include a lot of drinking. It might include eating at irregular times. So how do you help out in social situations? Yeah. So this is really beautiful. In the uh, Finally Free workshops that we teach, um, we um, help the uh, individual discover what it is that they are um, how they're using food to meet their emotional needs. And love and connection is one of those needs. I mean, we'll eat for excitement. You know, we're bored and we want excitement. Um, we'll eat because we want to comfort ourselves or soothe ourselves. We'll eat because we just want to avoid life altogether, right? Maybe there's something that's coming up and we want to drop out of life. So those are some reasons. But what you just talked about, that's love and connection. And that's how I used to, my relationship with food, um, I would go over to my friend's house or we would go out to dinner and we would we would have um, a cocktail and then we'd have an appetizer and then we'd have a bottle of wine and then we'd have the main course and then we'd have the dessert and then we'd have the dessert wine. And when I started intuitive eating and eating intuitively, I felt very disconnected. It was like I felt like I wasn't having fun, like I didn't belong. And like if I said no to somebody, it would hurt their feelings or they would judge me, right? Then I would be this, you know, bad person. I used to think that I would be a bitch, right? Oh, people are going to think of me as this person if I get fit and get healthy. And so there was so much like judgment around it and I wanted to belong. And so what we do is we guide people to once they discover, okay, you're eating because you want to love and connect and belong with other people and you don't want to be rejected. It's finding, okay, how can you stay connected with people outside of food? So what would be a fulfilling alternative? And one way that we do this is by a strategy called the shift. And this is instead of focusing on me when I'm out with my friends, you know, my hunger, my discomfort, I'm going to be rejected. What are they thinking? Right. So I'm all caught up in me, 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 me. Well, love and belonging is obviously something that I really value. So shifting to put my attention on them. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Talk about you. What's going on with your kids? What's going on with your husband? What's going on in life? How are you doing, right? All of a sudden, my focus is not on me on anymore. It's on the other person. And the relationship can actually deepen because we're not bonding over food when we're not hungry. We're not bonding over our problems. We're actually talking and connecting at a very deep level. So it's shifting the focus of being on myself and my discomfort at not having these food items that I want to have to shifting my focus on the other person and on love and on connection and going that route. I've never heard it explained like that. I love that. Um, and during the judgment phase of all that, before you get to the shift part, 
was the judgment that you were experiencing was that self judgment? Absolutely. Yeah. People don't, you know, we think that people, when we make these changes, we think the whole world is going to like, oh, you know, my, my husband's going to think this, my kids are going to think this, and my friends are going to think this, right? And when you actually make the change and you start eating intuitively and honoring your body, they don't, they don't even notice. They're so wrapped up in their own life that they don't, they don't even, they, you know, and even if there is the discomfort, they adapt fairly quickly. Yeah. No, people yeah. are so wrapped up in themselves. They don't really care what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so true because people are just lost in their own worlds all the time. Yeah. And even though you think people are doing this, they're really, they, they don't even notice. No, <laughs> no, they don't. Okay, so is there any other things that you would like to touch on when it comes to emotional eating and intuitive eating? Yeah, you know, I would just really encourage people to ask the question, am I hungry? And um and if they're not hungry, ask the question, what is it that I'm really hungry for? What do I really want from life? Um, so oftentimes we eat um, emotionally because something's missing or we're not answering a calling or we're not doing what we think that we would like to be doing. And so food can really be this beautiful gateway to what we really hunger for in life. Um, so that would be one thing is that question. The second thing that I would really bring up that can be really helpful for people is that um, there's a being able to separate physical hunger from emotional hunger. Emotional hunger uh, comes with a lot of chaos and compulsion. So if you can imagine yourself, you know, um, doing the hunger check and saying, oh, am I hungry? And the answer is no. The, the thinking mind might jump in and go, Ooh, but you really want that. And maybe you could start tomorrow and, Oh, just have one more bite. I mean, come on, you really don't want to be healthy anyway, do you? Right. And so this is the chaos and the compulsion of what the thinking mind will do. So being able to identify that chaos and compulsion come with emotional eating. But if you take a deep breath and you do the shift and you kind of do the hunger check and you kind of come into your physical body and go, hmm, am I hungry? And you wait for your body to answer. Take a couple of deep breaths. Then you can sink into your intuition. And in your intuition, you can experience peace and contentment and the truth. So think to yourself, chaos and compulsion, you know, emotional eating. Think uh, intuition, calmness, and peace. So that's a good way to separate the two. Does chaos ever disappear or do you always have to battle with it a little bit no 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 chaos chaos it will disappear absolutely because you, you catch it you go oh there's that chaos and that compulsion again and the more that you notice it and you just let it go and then you go okay take a deep breath sink into your physical body and then get on with your day right the secret is not focusing on it dwelling in it and going down the rabbit hole of chaos and compulsion it's identifying it and using it as a tool oh there's the chaos and the compulsion i'm being driven to eat something right it's the old habits and patterns of the, you know, that we go through, right? But when anytime you're breaking a habit or pattern, you just have to identify there's the chaos. Okay, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to go into contentment and peace and calmness. But yes, it does go away. And then um, a lot of times, you know, people will be really good about following these types of steps and then something might happen in their life. It throws them off the bandwagon for a little bit. Do you then guide them to start back at 
the original steps that they started with and be like, remember the hunger check and then remember the hunger scale to help try and pull them back into it? Absolutely. And actually, that's a very good point because we do get triggered, right? And and I still get triggered. So, you know, something will happen in life and all of a sudden, um, you know, maybe I'll lose somebody that I love or something happens and, you know, it, it, life happens. And I get triggered to take a deep dive into a bowl of ice cream, right? That's kind of like my escape, you know, oh, just go eat the ice cream, just take that deep dive. And sometimes that's okay, you know, letting it be okay to fall off the wagon. But then when you do come back and identify, okay, this is what happened. This is, it's okay, no judgment, no shame. I'm just going to hop right back on and I'm just going to keep after it. And then what happens is over time, those instances get shorter and shorter and shorter in between, and you begin to self-govern more effectively. And something horrible can happen, and all of a sudden, instead of taking a deep dive to escape it in ice cream, you allow the experience to move through you, and you feel what's happening in your life, and you just become someone who feels and lets it go deeply, and then you just move through it. And um, you, you handle your life situations instead of avoiding them. Awesome. My final question, what is one actionable step you want to teach everyone to improve their overall health? One actionable step. Well, I would say eat intuitively. Do the hunger check. (laughs) Yeah. Do the hunger check. Perfect. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay. Well, where can people find you and what are the, uh, the locations you want them to check you out at? Okay, so if you are looking for resources um, like recipes, um, information, uh, you want to hop on my mailing list and get some emails on, you know, how to eat intuitively and overcome emotional eating, the best way to do that is through gooddecisions.com. You can sign up there. If you are interested in becoming an instructor to teach intuitive eating, um, uh, finallyfreeworkshops.com is a resource for you. Uh, We're going through, we're going to be doing a big launch in March, and then eventually you'll be able to find an instructor near you to take a workshop uh, to um, overcome emotional eating and step into your 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 own personal power to self-govern around food effectively. So those would be the two, gooddecisions.com and finallyfreeworkshops.com. Perfect. And people will find those links at summitforwellness.com slash 103. Awesome, Danielle. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And I love talking about all these emotional eating habits and how to dive deeper into the habit changes because everyone has a little bit different approach, but it's all basically the same thing. Everyone's trying to get you started with paying attention to what it is you're eating and the signals your body is telling you and then how to move on from there. So I love it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. From this episode, what steps are you going to apply in your own life? I had conversations with my inner circle members and I told them how right now is a perfect opportunity to start focusing on making health changes. And yes, stress levels are high right now, but never before in our history have we been given permission to stay at home and rest and given so much time to put our focus into stuff that is important to us. And that includes at-home workouts, cooking food, and figuring out what our different triggers are to make poor health decisions. So I do challenge you to write out some of the things you have been putting off in regards to your health and figure out what you can start doing now. And if you want to start an at-home workout program, we do have our 28 Days to a Fitter You program for those just getting started with workouts. And with our pay-what-you-can model, you can get started for very cheap right now. So go to summitforwellness.com slash 28 days. 
Have you been enjoying our podcast lately? If so, it would be really helpful if you left a rating and review. So if you went on to your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating, it just helps to boost this show up in the rankings and just allows us to help out more people around the world. Next week, we have returning guest Kate Mahoney coming on to teach us about her favorite supplement brands. If you remember from episode 85, she taught us what to look for in a good supplement, which is very important right now because there are a lot of crappy brands promoting their stuff to, quote, improve your immune system, but their quality is terrible. So let's go hear from Kate. I am here with Kate Mahoney. Hey, Kate, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know and that you have not shared before? Oh, that I haven't shared before. Why'd you have to throw that loop in, Brian? <laughs> um, let's see. One thing about me that most people don't know that I haven't shared before is that I have decided within the last year to let my hair go gray naturally. Ta-da! <laughs> well, is it dyed currently? So I've been staining it with a natural stain. Um, and the great thing about the natural stains is that they wash out kind of gradually, so you can't really tell. So mostly what I have right now are some really intense auburn highlights at the end, but I'm going gray at my temples, which is exactly how my mom went gray and how I was hoping to go gray too, because I absolutely love it on her. I've always thought it was really beautiful, so I'm kind of excited. <laughs> Well, what will we be learning about in our interview together? So on this next interview that we did together, I talked specifically about my favorite supplement companies and why I love them so much. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Oh, man. Well, geez. Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the way that I would answer this question is that it has more to do with sourcing high quality than with specifics because everybody has different needs. So as long as you're listening to the needs of your body and you're trying to do what you can to make sure that whatever you're sourcing is the highest quality that you have access to, I think that's the best thing anyone can do for themselves. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Some of these are going to be similar to the last time you asked me this question. Uh, the first one, I'm going to go back and say food quality and sourcing, again, is one of the best things that anyone can do. The second one is be keep yourself well hydrated with high quality water. And by high quality, I say, please don't drink tap water. Um, fluoride is a known neurotoxin. If you don't know what I mean by that, I highly encourage you to do research and look that up. Um, and chlorine is not necessarily something that we are meant to be consuming in the amounts that we are. Usually it's combined with other minerals and those minerals would be in a chloride form. So by just doing the chlorine, which is a halide, it can really knock our body and our systems out of balance, especially our thyroid. So trying to ensure that you're keeping yourself well hydrated, but you're doing so with a good high quality water that is filtering out things like the fluoride and the chlorine. And the third one, make sure you fit self-care into your life in what 
whatever way you need to for yourself. Self-care is going to look different for everybody. For some people, it's going to mean trying to make sure they get a certain number of hours of sleep every night. For other people, it's going to mean taking a break when and how needed. For other people, it's going to mean going and doing an activity with people that you love that is really life-affirming to you. Just figure out what are the things that feed your soul, that rejuvenate your soul, and find a way to fit those into your life. I really felt that answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. It's a really big one to do things that that feed and support our soul, I think. Kate has a whole list of fantastic brands and supplements to pay attention to. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.